Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is November 16th. 2016. My name is Philip Rosmanike. I'm the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com, and I've got a good show for you today. The Orlando Magic are back in action over at the Amway Center, a quick two-game homestand as they take on the New Orleans Pelicans on Wednesday, and then they'll follow that up with a Saturday game against the Dallas Mavericks. Two opportunities for wins against two of the weaker teams from the Western Conference, but as I think we're beginning to understand with this Magic team, you can't take anything for granted. Uh, Going up against a bad defense in Indiana, you score 69 points. Going up against a good defense in Oklahoma City, you score 119. Things don't make sense with this team, and we'll break down that a little bit more on today's show, too. I'll preview the game against the Pelicans, and then I'll also talk a little bit about the the Magic's lineups, what they mean in a little bit more depth than, than maybe we've discussed before on the podcast, and why this loss or so mismatch, and then I'll speak briefly about Nikola Vucevic and what I'm observing from him, at both good and bad, early on this season. But before we get going, I do want to share a quick word from our pals over at SeatGeek. The NBA season is back. You know it. And SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the game at the game for the biggest plays of the year, and with SeatGeek, it has never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside, the club seats, or the upper level. Always a great place to sit in the Amway Center, and SeatGeek is the way to get in. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season with SeatGeek. You always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. And SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you get on that you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. I'm looking at the ticket prices for Wednesday's game, that's tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans, and I'm seeing a lot of those green dots. That means you're getting good deals. Tickets in the Upper Bowl as low as $12. Uh, it looks like tickets in the Lower Bowl can get can start at $21. So this is Anthony Davis. He makes one, tri- one regular season trip to the Amway Center every year. This is your opportunity to see him, and SeatGeek is the best way to get in. Now, here's the kicker. My listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. That's right, a $20 rebate to go see Anthony Davis. Here's what you have to do. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter the promo code LOMAGIC, that's L-O-M-A-G-I-C, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOMAGIC today. And of course, it's not just... 
Anthony Davis's lone trip to the Amway Center. It could possibly be Dirk Nowitzki's last trip to the Amway Center this weekend on Saturday as the Magic take on the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, I think Dirk is pretty close to coming back uh, from his injury. Uh, don't quote me on that. So hopefully we get to see Dirk one last time uh, because, you know, Kobe robbed us of his presence for four years, essentially. Uh, the, if, if you didn't know, the last game the Magic ever played against Kobe Bryant that he played in as a Los Angeles Laker against the Orlando Magic was Dwight Howard's first game back in Orlando in 2012. So it was a long time uh, that the Magic did not see Kobe Bryant. So hopefully we get to see Dirk on Saturday. I, I know uh, Dirk was always one of my favorite players growing up, so hopefully we'll see him. But that's for Friday's show. Today we want to talk a little bit about the New Orleans Pelicans. Frankly, there is not a lot to say about the New Orleans Pelicans. They have struggled as much as the Orlando Magic have, especially on the offensive end. Now, now they're not as bad offensively as the Magic, but they've had their struggles too. Anthony Davis, of course, is just a savant. He does so many things so well, uh, and it's, it's difficult to handle him. He is one of the top five players in the world, one of the best players in the NBA, and to me, this New Orleans Pelicans team reminds me very much of the 2004 Orlando Magic. Um, the 2004 Orlando Magic, or the 2004 Orlando Magic, you may remember, uh, let let uh, let um, Daryl Armstrong walk. They had Tracy McGrady. Uh, he was kind of everything. I mean, that the roster was just not very high on talent. They didn't fit together well, and and when McGrady wasn't doing anything, the team really really struggled. Uh, McGrady averaged somewhere near 30 points per game that year, just like Davis is now. He just didn't have the help to win, and that team won 21 games and ended up getting Dwight Howard in the following draft. This Pelicans team is very reminiscent of that. They've got Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is a handful and is very difficult to handle, and the Magic have to be on their game. We saw that in the preseason during the, you know, one of the, really one of the dress rehearsal games uh, for the Magic. That, that was the real dress rehearsal game. It was the final preseason game. Anthony Davis went off in the first half. New Orleans had the lead. The Magic looked very lifeless and struggled, struggled a lot. Uh, and so they uh, they had to crack down, and they were able to do so in the second half to get an overtime win. It's preseason, so let's not run too far ahead of ourselves there. The Pelicans, though, rely heavily on Davis, and they're going to rely heavily on Davis at least for one more game because Drew Holiday is not quite back. If you don't know Drew Holiday, what's going on with Drew Holiday, uh, he left the team during the preseason, during training camp, really, to be with his wife, a former U.S. women's soccer star, uh, Lauren Holiday. Now she delivered a delivered their chi- delivered a child, uh, and then went in for surgery on a benign brain tumor. Very scary stuff, uh, but fortunately she's okay and Drew's okay, uh, and Drew is set to make his return on Friday. Magic won't have to deal with him, and and when he's good, he's very very good. He's just had some injury issues since his All Star year uh, a few years back. What else do the Pelicans have then? Well, they dropped Lance Stevenson. They've got three guys scoring 10 points per game. That's Davis, and that's not much else. Tim Frazier, I think, and Etwan Moore, I believe, are the other two that are scoring more than 10 points per game for the New Orleans Pelicans so far. It has been a very difficult season for them. They're 2-7. They're hold on. Let me make sure I get this right. They're 2-9, and nine, if I'm not mistaken, now, on the season so far, they're really struggling on the offensive end. Um, yeah, they're 2-9 and nine so far. Their offensive rating, uh, according to basketball reference, is 100.8. Uh, 
That's 26th in the league. So the Magic are bad. Pelicans are also bad. And like the Magic, their defense has also been very bad. They've been giving up 109.1 points per game. Uh, 108.1 defensive rating, according to Basketball Reference, uh, 21st in the league. So, you know, they, they, they honestly played a little bit better than the Magic, even. They just haven't been able to get wins. And remember, uh, I, I, I think I said this before, the Magic stats are probably weighed down heavily by their blowout losses. The three players that have scored more than 10 points per game for the Pelicans so far are Anthony Davis, 30.7 points per game, 11.3 rebounds per game. Like I said, he's a monster you got to be able to deal with him in some way, slow him down some, or shut down everyone else. Etwan Moore, former Magic player, 12.5 points per game uh, as well for the Pelicans. And Tim Frazier, the spunky point guard out of Penn State, 11.4 points, 7.9 assists per game so far this year. Other than that, they really haven't been able to generate much offense. Um, there's no consistent guy who's attacking. Buddy Heald has struggled at 9.7 points per game. He's shooting 37.1% from the floor, 23.7% from beyond the arc, a 43.1% effective field goal percentage. They, they don't have a lot of offensive options. And so if the Magic are playing defense as well as, as I kind of think they are right now, the last two games and, and even the Utah game, the last three games, let's say, have given me a lot of encouragement that the defense is beginning to find something and is beginning to click in some way. Uh, if the defense is playing better, this is a game the Magic should find some success, you know, slowing down the Pelicans' offense. Of course, the Magic on offense themselves is a complete mess, and and I don't know if New Orleans is going to do very much to stop them. If Orlando's attacking, if they're aggressive, if they're playing with some 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 rhythm and some energy, if they're passing the ball well, they'll find points. I mean, I don't think it's impossible to score on this team. Anthony Davis, for all that he is, isn't the greatest. Is he has a reputation as a rim protector that he's not necessarily a room protector, although his defensive box plus minus this year has been much better than in years past, and and um, he's got a 6.1 block percentage. So he's actually been playing some very, very good defense so far this year, but he's kind of a one-man wrecking crew. And if the Magic can figure out a way to handle Davis, this is a game they should win. This is the kind of game that uh, if you want to make the playoffs, you have to win these games at home. You can't drop a game to the New Orleans Pelicans. You know, no offense to the New Orleans Pelicans, Without Drew Holiday, with where they're at, with all the things they're struggling with, you cannot drop a game to the New Orleans Pelicans at home. Uh, uh, you cannot drop a game to the New Orleans Pelicans at home if you have any vision of making the playoffs. And while it does seem like a long shot with how the Magic have played the last week, they are still a game out of the playoffs. They're not out of this thing yet. They can still figure things out and right the ship and be in this race till who knows when. So... You know, not a, there. Are, there's there are definitely some concerns with the Magic, but not a time to freak out or anything like that. Speaking of games, though, I do want to let you know, let everyone know about a special uh, a special thing that's going on with uh, with the the Locked On Network as well as with the Dunked On Basketball Podcast. You've heard us play some clips from the Dunked On Basketball Podcast. I know it's one of my favorite basketball podcast. Nate Duncan and Danny LaRue do a fantastic job. You can listen to yesterday's episode where they did a quick recap of the last week for the Orlando Magic, provided some some outside thoughts on the team that, that I commented on as well. Uh, and now they're back to do a live stream Twitter show during halftime of the Golden State Warriors-Toronto Raptors game and the Los Angeles Clippers-Memphis Grizzlies game, as well as post-game shows on Twitter Live. You know, Nate Duncan and Daniel LaRue do a fantastic job on Dunked On Podcast, as well as uh, Daniel LaRue on Locked On Warriors. I cannot recommend them enough. 
they do they do great in depth analysis um, analysis of the league. Uh, great great conversations, kind of a very real conversation that they have on their shows. And now they're bringing it to Twitter. Twitter has asked Danny and Nate to do live streaming halftime and post game shows starting this Wednesday with the Golden State Warriors taking on the Toronto Raptors and the Los Angeles Clippers taking on the Memphis Grizzlies. If you've been missing advanced stats, play-by-play breakdowns, and salary cap expertise in your NBA studio shows, the Twitter NBA show with Dunked on Basketball is your antidote. You can tune in for the first edition at halftime of the Golden State Warriors Toronto Raptors game either by clicking on the video they tweet out, so follow Nate Duncan at Nate Duncan NBA, or by following Nate on Periscope. Again, that's at Nate Duncan NBA. If you're not listening to the Dunked On Basketball Podcast already, you should be. I highly suggest it. It's one of my favorite basketball podcasts. We've played some clips of their show on Locked On Magic, so I definitely suggest you check that out as well as check it out during the games on Wednesday and, and throughout the season, as I'm sure they'll be doing it throughout the year. All right, on to our main topic today, and I think we're still figuring some things out and figuring out what to make of the Orlando Magic's decision to move Aaron Gordon to the bench and start Damian, or start, not start Damian Rudez, but to play Damian Rudez over Mario Hazonia and start Jeff Green over Aaron Gordon. It, we've had three games. It's a small sample size, and it's hard to say exactly what that lineup was supposed to do, um, to, be, to be perfectly frank. Jeff Green really isn't much of a better shooter than Aaron Gordon. Their stats have been kind of a wash since the since the change. I would say that maybe Aaron Gordon's gotten a little bit more space, looks a little bit more comfortable playing the three uh, off the bench, especially with Dami- with Damian Rudez able to help spread the floor. Uh, I do think that there is some benefit there, and I haven't quite looked at the stats. I, I'm gonna give it another game before I start before I, I share some lineup data and start thinking about. Uh, what this team is, or, or what this what this group actually does, and whether it actually helps Aaron Gordon specifically or not. But as I've been, as I watched Monday's game, as I watched even Sunday's game, there was still a little bit of a lack of clarity in this group. Well, yes, I I, I understand what Frank Vogel is doing, trying to bring some veterans into the lineup trying to, to to balance things out a little bit, it still kind of feels like either he hasn't gone to, gone far enough with it or he picked the wrong player to, to do it with. Um, I think most of us would agree that Aaron Gordon is the most talented player on the roster and probably the one guy that has that on the roster that really has star potential, that has franchise guy potential. And he's still incredibly raw and his offense still needs a long way to go, so maybe that time is running out. Uh, I would say the position switch is a lot for him. Uh, I think he has improved uh, significantly on the offensive end. He looks a lot more comfortable taking that pull-up jumper, uh, and and he's making threes at a better clip. And defensively, he has grown by leaps and bounds as well, but it may not be the progress, the exact kind of progress the Magic need in the end to be successful this season. Gordon, pushing Gordon aside... It certainly seems like the Magic just cannot find that right combination of players. Let's bring Gordon back into the conversation here. My observation so far is that Aaron Gordon can work at the three. 
Not fully yet, though. I feel like he needs a stretch four and someone who's exclusively a stretch four or someone who can play nominally the three on offense but can play the four on defense. And this is a very tough player to find. I can name maybe two or three really good good players like this. He needs someone that can help stretch the floor for him so that he can have those driving lanes. And if you look at that starting lineup, he didn't really have that. You have Alfred Payton, a non-shooter. You have Aaron's obviously a non-shooter. You have Serge Ibaka, who's a big. You have Nikola Vucevic, who's a big. They clutter the lane up a little bit too much. Especially considering Serge Ibaka's only taken one corner three this entire season. I want to repeat that. He's averaged, I think, 1.2 corner. He averaged 1.2 corner threes per game last season. Attempts, not makes. Attempts. He's got one total corner three attempt in 11 games. So he's not much of a three-point threat. He's not spreading the floor. And Nikola Vucevic certainly isn't either. And so the Magic trying to use Aaron Gordon at the three, space is already constricted for him. And that's made it very difficult for him to drive. And I think that's made it difficult for Alfred Payton to drive. And so in that sense, sending one of the non-shooters to the bench, and I might argue that it should be Alfred Payton because DJ Augustin is a much better shooter than Alfred Payton than than Jeff Green, and Alfred has struggled a lot on the defensive end as well as keeping the pace, uh, which as we saw in Sunday's game is very very important for him to have his success. But you see all these kind of mismatches throughout the roster. I mean, it, it's it just really feels like this roster just just doesn't fit together. Let's take a look. Let's take Nikola Vucevic and Serge Ibaka, for example. The Magic have said they wanted to get Serge Ibaka the ball more, and they've dumped it in the, into the post to him a lot more than probably he's had for his entire career. But right now, he and Nikola Vucevic average about the same number of post-ups. Nikola Vucevic's post-ups went from 5.4 post-ups per game last year, according to NBA.com player tracking stats, to 2.7. They've been cut in half. And a lot of that is they're using Vucevic kind of as a fulcrum at the elbow. Again, constricting some space because he's at the elbow, not, you know, flared out to the corner, not posting up, not on the block. He's at the elbow where that's, there's, that's a driving lane. And so you've taken away a big part of Nikola Vucevic's game. And I'll talk a little bit more about Nikola Vucevic in a moment. But you've taken away a big part of his game to accommodate Serge Ibaka a little bit, and to run a different style of offense that, you know, again, I'll talk about in a little bit, hasn't really fit his eye quite yet. Let's take Serge Ibaka. He's taking, like I said, so many fewer corner threes in an effort to get him the ball more. And while that's noble, and I agree with it to some extent, you still got to use your player effectively. To, to his strength, to what he does best. And I'm not saying you ignore Ibaka in the corner, but you got to set him up in the corner a few times. And right now, him and Vucevic just aren't working, aren't playing off each other extremely well. So how do you fix that? It's not easy because throwing Bismack Biombo in there doesn't necessarily fix those problems either. 
you put Bismack Biombo in there with Nikola Vucevic, and two things happen. One, Nikola Vucevic doesn't get any post touches because Biombo's got to be anchored to the paint because he can't do very much away from the basket. And B, on defense now, Biombo is playing the four because Vucevic doesn't have the foot speed to stay with power forwards anymore, power forwards in the league. And now you've lost Biombo's shot blocking ability because he's playing the four outside of the paint. You pair Biombo with Ibaka, and all of a sudden, Ibaka, you know, has to become a jump shooter, and he loses some of his post up ability and some of his rebounding ability, which is a little bit of an easier fit. And defensively, the two probably work together better. But again, you're also still constricting space and you need shooters in your backcourt. So it's hard to have Aaron Gordon and Biombo on the floor at the same time, especially with Alfred Payton as well. There's just no way to space the floor and create opportunities to drive and cause the defense to react. So it just feels like at every turn... There's a roster decision that just feels very uncomfortable. That's going to limit what your players can do. So maybe Frank Vogel arrived at the best answer to this to these questions in what he's done so far this year. Maybe Jeff Green was a key that needed to be unlocked. I'm still not 100% sold on that. You know, if I think Augustin's shooting would benefit the starting lineup a lot, and I think Peyton would still be able to manage coming off the bench, you know, provided, you know, his ego can handle it, you know, provided he accepts that donate that demotion, so to speak, in, in stride. I think Aaron Gordon has, and I, I would still like to see Aaron Gordon playing more minutes over Jeff Green, even finishing the game with that original starting lineup, because, I mean, I, I don't think Jeff Green changes very much for him. It's just, when you look at this Magic roster time and time again, there are no easy answers. And I think Frank Vogel's still going to be experimenting with lineups, with combinations to find something that works. And honestly, at the end of the day, that thing that works could be Jody Meeks coming back. Because remember, he's still waiting in the wings. And if you throw out a lineup of, say, Peyton, Meeks, Gordon... Rudez and Biombo, that lineup has a little bit more balance to it. I mean, Meeks helps unlock that, or you throw out a lineup with Meeks, Hazonia, Peyton, Gordon, Biombo. A lineup has a little more balance to it because Gordon at least is a threat from beyond the arc that can stretch the floor a little bit, and he's got three perimeter players who can who can stretch too. Again, the answers are very, very far from easy for this team. I don't know if a lineup change is going to fix everything. They just need to find a combination that works. And honestly, if the Magic are very serious about making a trade, making the playoffs this year and staying in the playoff race, when December 15th rolls around, they're probably going to have to start exploring some trades and figuring out how to add some shooting to this roster. In a big way. I spoke a little bit about Nikola Vucevic and where he's at right now. And it's been a very, very, conf- and, and certainly 
the roster just doesn't quite fit his skills or the Magic aren't quite using his skills to their fullest effect. And it's very, it's honestly very clear that they aren't. And Vucevic has probably suffered more than anyone else because of it. Running through Vucevic's stats this year, in 11 games, so small sample size, he's averaging 10.9 points per game. That's the lowest since his rookie year when he essentially didn't play. 50, 51 games, 15.9 minutes wasn't a big factor. He's shooting 42.9% from the floor. That would be a career low. It's a guy who shot 50% in each of the last four years for the Orlando Magic. He's shooting 42.9% from the floor. His The ratio of his mid-range jumpers has not gone up, actually. Uh, he's not necessarily taking more shots. He's actually taking fewer field goal attempts this year. 11.5 field goal attempts per game this year when he's been around 16 for the last two. He's just not making shots. And that part has as it usually does when Nikola Vucevic doesn't make shots, has exposed some of his flaws. Now, Vucevic, and I'll give him plenty of credit for this, is still a double-double machine. He's still getting 10.5 rebounds per game, so he's at about his his career average there. Uh, the points per game are down, obviously, but he's also doing some other things. He's got a career-best 3.1 assists per game. There are not many centers who pass the ball like Vucevic is able to pass the ball, and that's a good thing. His defense has actually, I think, improved, and the numbers bear this out. He's got a career-high 1.5 defensive box plus minus right now. So he is contributing on the defensive end. His positioning's been a lot better. Uh, He's been playing better defense. But at the same time, there's still those moments like in Monday's game when Miles Turner catches the ball, Vucevic overextends and over-rotates, and gets blown by. That still happens with him. He still gets out-muscled a little bit, and he's still not a great rim protector. He's still not not protecting the rim well, although Ibaka, although he's had a better field goal percentage there most of the season than Ibaka. The effort's there for Vucevic. Um, this isn't a question of effort. It's still a question of, can he physically do these things that the Magic need him to do? And throughout the season... Of course, his offense has tailed off, and that's, again, exposed some of his warts because his offense is what makes him a special player in this league. It's that that's, that's what he's essentially made the league on. And if there's a thought of bringing him to the bench, it's because simply he's not producing, and, and Biombo is and establishes a better tone defensively than perhaps Vucevic can. Vucevic obviously wants to start. He's earned the starting job, and he earned the assumption of being a starter for the years of service he's put in, and frankly, his production. I, I, I expect Vucevic to return to what we expect Nikola Vucevic to be, about 15 points per game guy, and making jumpers, making shots, you know, doing good, you know, being a good all-around offensive player. And if you add in this defense, he should be more valuable. But right now, he's not performing that way, for whatever reason. And certainly everyone on this offense has struggled some. Evan Fournier's numbers are down, obviously. Um, About the only people who are shooting better than they did last year are Aaron and Elford. So, it's tough to get a handle on Nikola Vucevic right now. Because while he is better defensively, he's not a big stopper. And his offense is disappearing right now. 
for the Magic to succeed, for the Magic to get where they want to go, Nikola Vucevic has to turn things around. And, and he spoke to Josh Robbins of the Orlando Sentinel after Monday's game a little bit about a shooting slump. And I'm sure he's confident that he's going to turn things around eventually, that he's going to uh, get over the hump and start making shots. I mean, he I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be confident. He's done it throughout his entire career. It's, it just may take some more time. And, and that's not something the Magic want to hear, of course. This is one of the big stats that has to turn around. If Nikola Vucevic starts playing the way we expect Nikola Vucevic to play, the Magic become a better team. The Magic become a better offense, especially. And right now, they just can't get much out of Nikola Vucevic. And it's it's baffling, because he's getting all the shots that he normally gets. He's getting the post-ups. He's getting that mid-range jumper at the elbow. He's getting all that. And hasn't been able to put it all together. And so while his improvements on the defensive end certainly have occurred, they're overshadowed by these offensive struggles that that he's faced so far this year. And that's a big thing that the Magic need him to figure out because that makes them better and helps them figure out the lineups that I was talking about earlier, um, for sure. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Locked On Magic today. Be sure to check out the NBA Twitter show with the Dunked On Basketball podcast. Uh, during halftime of the national TV games between the Golden State Warriors and the Toronto Raptors, as well as the Memphis Grizzlies and the Los Angeles Clippers. Be sure to follow Nate Duncan NBA for more information on that. I'll try and tweet that out during the game as well. The Orlando Magic take on the New Orleans Pelicans at the Amway Center at 7 p.m. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, uh, at OmagicDaily, for updates from the game. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter, at LockedOnMagic. And as well on Facebook, like give us a like on Facebook at Locked On Magic as well. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Audioboom, iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. We do appreciate all the listens, all the downloads. Be sure to tell your friends about us, about the other great Locked On podcasts. There are some fantastic podcasts all over the network. I highly suggest you listen to them and hear about your team. If you stumbled upon the Magic, welcome. Uh, your team is probably covered by Locked On as well. Daily podcast delivered straight to you. It's your team, your team, uh, and I'm forgetting the slogan. I'm sorry, David. I'm I'm forgetting the slogan. Oh, it's your team every day. There it is. See, see, we're getting we're getting the brand recognition here. We're getting the brand brand recognition here. Uh, with that, Magic take on the Pelicans at seven o'clock at the Amway Center. I'll be there for that, and I'll have a complete recap on tomorrow's show. So be sure to listen to that, and I'm sure some storyline will pop up there that we'll discuss as well. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We will see you all tomorrow. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.